0: I'm French! Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king?
1: Welcome back, distinguished movie fans, to another episode of Movie Matchup, The Pretension. As always, I am Troy, and with me is the expert on all things in dwarf exploitation cinema, Mr. Brad Anderson. How are you doing tonight, Brad?
2: Uh, I'm doing great. (laughs) This is, uh, ooh, man.
1: Are you ready ready for tonight?
2: It's going to be a doozy. Yeah, I just uh, got all nice and clean because I needed to.
1: Well uh this, this is the first episode in October to uh kick off what did, what did you say in the last one? Spook Spooktober? Spooktober. Yes. Spooktober. It's officially Spooktober. Um and we do have a guest tonight. Um as most of us uh or most of us, as we know, we are covering um how how would you classify these films, Brad?
2: Uh I would cross these as Crazy Bitch Cinema.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Crazy Bitch Cinema, Um, we decided to, it would be unfair for Brad and I to talk about these two films being of the male gender, and uh, we needed to bring somebody on to maybe bring some clarity uh, to a few of the characters on here, so we went out and we searched for probably the craziest
0: Bitch around. <laughs> Bitch around. And
1: uh, happened to discover that I actually married her. So share <laughs> <wanna> sure to... a <laughs> bed with
0: her. <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I want to welcome to the podcasting world because this is the first time she's actually been on the internet in, in a voice form. Voice form, by the way. Miss um, <laughs> uh, Tabitha. How are you doing tonight, Tabs?
0: Hello, guys. Howdy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um Oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about these two films with you, Brad, much less with my wife here, because I got a feeling I'm going to say something, and then you're going to hear a smack and me crying
2: in pain.
0: <laughs> like every other night. I, <laughs>
2: I can't imagine forcing anyone to watch these two movies, because when I watch them, I like went in a dark corner, made sure no one was around, I made sure I was by myself, and I just, I made sure that. No one knew I was actually watching these two movies, so I yeah. guess we should probably say what they are
1: yes you you wanna you wanna let the audience in on this little secret?
2: Yeah, first we're gonna look at the uh, two thousand seven French messed up movie inside <laughs> um, and then we are going to look at the nineteen ninety nine uh, Japanese film audition. so uh yeah, like we said. Welcome to uh, Crazy Bitch Cinema for the evening.
1: Yes. Um, Spooktober, did I get that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Um, is going to be composed of uh, horror movies all month because it's a scary month. And I think out of the lineup that we have, I want to say there's only two American films and the rest are all foreign. Uh,
2: Yeah you would know better than I would, but yeah, I, I think that's right. Okay.
1: Um, and I just show
2: up. So I,
1: yes. And look good doing it for something yes. that's audio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are kicking it off with something from France and something from Japan. I guess, you know, before we get into talking an entire month of uh, scary films, I got to know, Brad, what is your favorite scary movie?
2: Ooh, wow. My favorite scary movie. um, I would have to say I'm more of a psychological guy, psychological thriller.
1: Um, you know, Tarantino hasn't done a horror movie. <laughs> no, I know. I was searching. Okay, just,
0: he was you, you can't
1: you <laughs> can't pick a Tarantino film. I guess you could pick well, from <laughs>
2: *Dust Till
0: Dawn*. Yeah,
2: yeah, he did. He did help write that. Um, uh, you know, this is going to be kind of cheesy, but I really love *Silence of the Lambs*. That's a good
1: one. It's a good, a good choice. I like that. What What about *Silence of the Lambs* puts that in the uh, in the number one spot?
2: Uh, just Hannibal Lecter. Just being—I remember being younger and just being totally afraid. Just how like calm he was one minute, and the next minute he was you know biting someone's face off. So, nice. But I, I would—I would have to say, like horror movie wise, um, I've always been a big fan of Friday the Thirteenth. So I would say that's probably the, the
1: remake, of course, right?
2: Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, I thought so. I thought so.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, Tabs, I I think I know the answer to this, but why don't don't you uh, share with Brad and everybody else, what's your favorite scary movie of all time?
0: I'd say a couple of them. One being Blair Witch, which is just my all-time favorite scary movie that would always give me the shakes after watching it.
1: The best thing to do is stand in a corner <laughs> in the house, and it freaks her out. It's it's awesome. But I'm sorry. That's go ahead. Awesome. That's right.
0: And then also I would say, we were just talking about this earlier, um, Battle Royale. Oh, God. I absolutely love Battle Royale. Of course
2: you're Troy's wife. Of course. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what's,
1: what's your favorite Jet Li film?
0: Oh, Fong Sai Yuk.
1: See? Yeah. Oh, I, I know how to pick him. Uh, brainwash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is brainwash because I never heard of Jet Li until I at Troy.
1: No, so. no, no. This is all. This is not all about me. Now listen. The, <laughs> I, I gotta. I gotta not agree with either of you. The scariest movie of all time is hands down <laughs> The Exorcist. Um, it's based on true story, um, and it it totally gives me night terrors every time I watch it. And I think even to this day, I've never watched that film without hiding under a blanket during a lot of the scenes.
2: So. That movie starts off too slow. Movies, yeah. it doesn't hold up for me. That's oh,
1: not. it's a fantastic, it's epic.
0: But I do love watching Troy Quiver, under the <laughs> <laughs> That's why we force them to watch it once a year.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a horrible ordeal. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? We've been delaying uh, the talk of um, our crazy bitch cinema. So how about we take a quick break, and when we come back, we uh, dive right into um, the, uh, the French film inside. How, how does that sound to both of you? I can't wait. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back. Are you tired of the same old pop culture podcast? Do you listen to those other podcasts and think to yourself, why aren't they talking about the things I'm interested in? Hi, I'm Reverend Scott, and when I want to listen to a couple of guys with their appendages on the pulse of pop culture, penis, I listen to the Are You Serious podcast. Hear news about politics and religion, where hosts Chris and Frank ask the tough questions. If you woke up with a cock in your mouth, would you take it or leave it? Yeah, exactly. How big <laughs> is the cock? You'll hear entertainment news about your favorite movies and TV shows, plus plain old wholesome discussion about the lives of Chris and Frank. I mean, now I, I am, like, tattooed. It's weird. It's like I've... I guess I should explain what I got. Yeah. It's three swastikas. Each one interconnected to look like a smiley face and on my left arm is cock and balls and you notice i looked at my right character arm. character from an old that. disney film it's the prequel to song of the south exactly i have,
2: it's um, called the song of the cock and balls it sounds like this
1: so when you think pop culture podcast remember this
2: what's that thing between the dick and the asshole the are you serious podcast
1: on itunes or are you serious podcast. welcome back to movie matchup the pretension And to kick off Spooktober, we're going to talk about the 2007 French film, Inside, directed by Alexandra Bustillo and Julien Maré. It stars Alison Paradis, Beatrice Dahl, and Nathalie Roussel. And a quick synopsis about Inside, it's been four months since Sarah, played by Alison Paradis, was involved in a tragic car accident that claimed the life of her husband. Yet, somehow, the couple's unborn child miraculously survived the jarring ordeal. Now, it's Christmas Eve, and Sarah is sitting alone in her suburban home, still grieving the loss of her beloved. She is also preparing for the following day where the doctors plan to induce labor. As night falls, a woman, played by Beatrice Dahl, knocks on Sarah's door, asking to use the phone. When Sarah refuses, the woman reveals that she knows Sarah and tries to force her way in. Sarah attempts to not only save herself from this brutal psychopath with an agenda, but also keep her unborn child alive at all costs. Now, Brad... Uh, tabs. Before we before we dive into inside, um, what experience do either of you have with French horror films in general? Let's start with you, Brad. Um, horror my, films, Brad.
2: My
0: <laughs>
2: my knowledge um, basically is uh, High Tension, uh, Martyrs, and Frontiers. Um, that's kind of my Martyrs is probably my favorite French um, film in general. Really? Um, oh yeah,
1: I. I like, like all you, genres, you, you'd pick Martyrs. I mean, over everything, or just horror films.
2: No, I. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of experience with French films, um, right off the bat. But I, yeah, if I had to choose, I would say Martyrs is probably uh, my favorite. Of course, I saw it at a festival, so that could also, you know, kind of sway my 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 enjoyment of it. I guess as much as you can enjoy a movie like that. But um, <laughs> most of my French. Um, knowledge does come from the horror genre, so uh, they're all messed up. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that, that's a good description. How, how about you, Tabs?
0: Martyrs is the only horror French film I can think of, but as far as all French films, my tops would probably be Martyrs and then Taxi.
1: Oh, yeah, the Luc Besson produced. I forgot about the Taxi franchise. Really like that one. Um, I I'll be honest with you, I don't like the French. <laughs>
0: He always wants to bomb the French.
1: Yeah. Um, there's, and the
0: reasoning is hilarious.
1: Let's not talk about the reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> um, their, their cinema, I think, is an acquired taste for the most part. But I do, I do like a lot of their action films, believe it or not, even stuff like Le Samurai. This, um, what has been labeled as sort of the current wave of French horror films, uh, that Inside and in Martyrs, uh, Frontier, uh, Hot Tension or High Tension... Them, um, which is another one, they really push the boundaries in a lot of areas for horror films. I, I mean, would you both agree on that one? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and and when we start talking about Inside, I, I have a couple of questions in terms of um, primarily – and let's start with this one. When when you watch Inside – and I don't think anybody would disagree that this is a – chore. it's a rough watch because it is very graphic um, – what do you both think about the violence in Inside? And we'll start with you, Taps.
0: I thought it was okay. I just, I, It was just towards the end when sh- the baby is stuck and whatever that I was screaming out in pain because I've been through childbirth. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hell. <laughs> that was the only part that really went over the top for me.
1: The, the and it might be
0: because I am a female and have gone through childbirth. But yeah, but the whole scissors into the... I uh, don't that, know how much not, we, don't how much you it. want to reveal. Oh, there's
1: no there's no spoil. I mean, okay, you, good, yeah, good, just, good, You can talk yeah, about just all that. Yeah,
0: digging into this woman's uh, stomach because the baby's stuck. Yeah, that was effed up. So
1: I I'm gonna go on record right now and say that any type of belly button trauma in films in general should be banned. <laughs> that is the worst. It's um, okay. got a belly
0: button issue, by the way.
1: It's a violation.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Brad, what, what's your opinion on it?
2: Um, I think the I think my main issue with the violence is it's all like household products, like a pair of scissors, right. um, and it's very realistic. Um, there's a lot of stabbing and like puncturing, and it, it just the way it makes you feel. It just it makes you feel like someone is stabbing you. I mean, is this this movie is like running a marathon. Like it's it's hard. It's really hard to get through, and uh, it takes a lot out of you. To be honest with you,
1: yeah, it was it was an exhausting watch. Um, what what is your general impression of the film, Brad? I mean, is it something that uh, I don't want to say? Man, I, I hate saying. Oh, did you did you like Inside? <laughs> I, I don't know if you're supposed to like this movie, but I mean, what what's your general impression?
2: Well, um, about a year and a half ago, um, Charlie and I were talking about movies um, and I said, Oh, I kind of liked martyrs. You know, I I would kind of enjoy. I can't believe you say that. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. But I, I said, I would like to see something, you know, kind of messed up, you know, that you, sometimes you just have those moments and he hands me this movie. It doesn't say anything. He says, watch this. And I watch it and I never have forgiven him for that. Um, till this day. And, um, do I think the film, I think there's some parts of the film that I find very interesting. Um, there's a cool story arc in there, but I have a hard time with the whole baby situation and I'm not even a parent. And I, I, find it really hard, uh, feeling the shots of the baby in utero and being, you know, smacked around, uh, during the car wreck and, it's just, like I said, it's, it's intense. Like it really is intense. Tabs, what's, uh, what's your general opinion?
0: Well, I didn't care for the shots of the baby in the inside. I, I found it to be, to, it, there, it wasn't necessary. I thought it was just a little odd and I'm pretty sure the baby wouldn't have survived the first car act to begin with anyway, <laughs> the original car. went I think it would have became a detached and it just wouldn't have survived. But so once you get past that, I thought the movie was just okay. It's not something I'm ever going to rewatch, but it was an all right movie. It did, it did show me something I hadn't seen before with the whole stabbing in the belly. And, and one of my favorite parts actually was when she got stabbed in the hand, when her hand was through the door up against the wall. And I was like, how the hell is she going to get out of that? She, there's no way for her to get out of that situation right there then until the cops come, of course. But, so I thought that was really interesting, but it was okay. Okay it's not something I'll rewatch. I do like seeing something I haven't seen before and it, it satisfied that, but that was about it.
1: Yeah. I have mixed feelings on this. Um, I, the, the violence is, um, is over the top and it, it is something that I haven't seen before in a lot of instances. And there are, there are some scenes in this film that really stand out. And I, I would have to say my favorite scene is when she is, um, sitting on the couch, almost in a, in a, either coming out or going into sleep. And um, you have Beatrice uh, Dahl who's in the background, in the shadows, and you don't know if she's dreaming that she's standing behind her or if she's really there. It's very unclear, but that, that scene lingers a little bit, and I found it very haunting and very suspenseful. But I got to say, there are some things that happened towards the end of this film that it took me out of it, and this kind of goes back to... Um, I, I know that in horror movies, people are going to do stupid things. That that's sort of a given sometimes because if if people didn't do stupid things, you wouldn't have a horror movie in some instances.
2: And the police have to be the most incompetent people in the right.
1: world. Well, and that's why I don't like France. But <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <Whatever>. <laughs> uh,
1: The uh, the the thing that kind of bothered me is it wasn't so much that the it was the police that you know were incompetent. I guess this the scene that kind of took me out of it was. She goes to the bed, and she has a gun. She lays down. And just drops and yeah. yeah, drops the gun. And when this woman is right in front of her, rather than use that opportunity to shoot her and kind of stop the film, um, she bites her lip.
0: Yeah, that
1: was... So I, that that one little decision, I was into this film up until that point. And I think from then on, I I became, I don't know, really aware of some of the decisions that the, choi- the characters were making from then on. And, it, and I just didn't buy it.
2: Well, have you ever been, like, ever broken a bone, like, yeah. or had extreme pain before? Like,
1: well, I was accidentally extreme. pushed down the stairs a couple of <laughs> times. It's happened to
0: him a couple of times. <laughs> Did you run into the door? I ran the door? into the
1: door. I'm,
2: I'm not allowed to call it 800 number anymore. <laughs> well, what I'm, what I'm trying to get is when you're in a lot of pain, which obviously this woman was, sometimes you don't think straight. I mean, no. you're... Your body is is all out of whack because of this immense pain that you're in. And I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I can also see, like, if I'm in that much pain and agony, like, I'm probably not thinking two or three steps ahead. I'm, I'm living in the moment where I feel like I'm going to die.
1: Well, I, I get that, but then each decision that she makes after that incident, again, doesn't make sense to where – you know, she, you, you get that scene where all of a sudden she becomes real badass and she takes this steel pipe and puts a knife to it. And she's, you know, she's running out there with her little camera to kick some ass and then she doesn't do anything. And so I, I don't know. Again, I, I, I think you're right. I can understand that and probably reason with that. And that's why I think in most horror movies, you got to sort of put some disbelief um, or suspension of disbelief when it comes to character choices. But if they start happening too close together and it's bam, 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 it, w- it was about the last 15, 20 minutes that kind of took me out of this film to where I started losing the tension and the suspense that was built up because I started becoming very much aware of some of the choices that this woman was making and that they were only doing so to maybe, um, I don't know, service the plot or move the plot forward to the ultimate sort of ending. What was your take on it, Ted? There's
0: a couple scenes I had troubles with. Um, The one where the incompetent cop that's attached to the perp is bandaging her hands that whole time. For like two minutes, he's bandaging her hands. Even though this woman is going through the house and he's not found this woman yet, I would have put that as my top priority. This woman that's killed four or five people throughout the house. But hold on, let me bandage up your hands real quick so you can hold a gun. That I had a problem with because that took way too long for some reason. And then the other part was where she had stabbed herself in the neck with the needle, uh, the knitting needle. Like, she was committing suicide, but then seconds later, she's duct taping it, like, changing her mind. Oh, I no, those are
2: that was her trachea. So, she was trying to breathe. breathe.
0: Oh, she couldn't breathe. That's yeah. what I was trying, having trouble with. I was like, well, she just wanted to commit suicide, and now she's changing her mind. I was like, I, I don't yeah. understand.
1: No, she's doing a tracheotomy.
2: Uh, okay,
0: gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense then.
2: Yeah, when you're, when your airway gets blocked, you can, you know, bypass it by.
0: Right. So. I didn't, I, I must've dozed off for a second cause I don't yeah. know her airway getting blocked.
1: How could you doze off during <laughs> this film?
0: Or maybe the kids need me for something. I don't <laughs> know.
1: <but I laughs> nice. Well, I, I have a question for you, uh, because I've read a couple of articles about inside, um, most recently in the latest issue of Paris cinema, which I just kind of discovered, but they classify inside in a sort of a category of maternal madness. And, um, Brad, I, I don't think, has ever been pregnant. Is that correct, Brad? I just want to make I, I have not. I okay. Have and not. Brad not as of yet. <laughs> not as of yet. Brad has not been impregnated. Um, I have not lived through that experience. i got to ask as you. Of <laughs> as of yet. As of yet. No, I've been neutered. Later.
0: Later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, you've had two kids. Right. And uh, I, I, when you look at this film, does it bring up any – well, I mean, can you relate to to what these two women are doing in terms of sort of fighting over this baby or maybe the madness that occurs, well, especially under the antagonist, the stranger?
0: The one who, the mad, crazy lady that lost her baby in the car wreck, I can't relate to her. I was like, she's a little over the top. Really? Because
1: that's the one she's that reminded oh, me Oh, is that I'm just
0: kidding. But the other lady. You hear that? I think to... I hear yeah. the couch calling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the other lady trying to save the child throughout the whole thing, yeah, I can relate to that, but... I don't know if I would have the energy or the strength to be able to last as long as she, (laughs) she did. I think once my hands would have got slammed up with scissors going through them, I probably would have been like, Oh, I'm done. (laughs) Really? Because all you hear about
1: when women deliver babies is how tough they are because they can pass a watermelon through this kind of hole. With an epidural. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. We're
0: tough as long as we got our drugs.
1: Um, well, you want to, you want to share any facts about this film, Brad?
2: Uh, Well, um, I know uh, Bloody Disgusting has, um, has it ranked uh, 12th on their list of top 20 horror, cinema, uh, horror films of the decade. And if this movie is at number 12, um, I don't know what can be in front of it, really.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I want to say the top film on that list, to give you some perspective, because they went back and, and I think they were looking at movies from um, 2000 on. Yeah. Um, and number one, if I remember correctly, was Let the Right One In.
2: Oh, so it's not based on like they're talking about just best horror film.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it, okay. it hit their list for top twenty horror films of the decade, and and I don't know if that was quantified. If you if you can go online and look at the list, I mean, um, the Descent is either two or three. I know Let the Right One In is in there.
2: Oh, but okay. This it's, this it's not based on gore. It's just based on. <laughs>
1: No, gore, I think it would have gone a little bit higher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I mean, when you, when you read that type of statistic and you know, it's not like bloody disgusting is um, the end all be all uh, reference source for anything horror related, but they do have a very prominent website. You know, they've got their own film line out now Uh, for their writers and contributors to get together and put this as one of the top 20 horror films of all time. Either of you agree with that or disagree?
0: I would disagree. I mean, it's, like I said, I enjoyed it because I saw something new something that I hadn't seen before, but it's not one I'm going to go back and rewatch. Well, but what is a good horror film? Like, yeah, thing that disturbs you and in- Right. I mean, I did have body convulsions when she was getting stabbed, <laughs> yeah. get the baby out. So, yeah, it did give me a physical reaction, but I don't know, which I think says something. I mean, yeah, it does say something. But I don't know if I—I I don't know. That's a tough one. I'd have to go back and really think about what my top twenty would be, though, and see if how it would compare with their list.
1: What do you—what do you think, Brian?
0: I mean,
2: as as a horror film, like I, like I said, I like Martyrs, and I think Martyrs is even beyond this because yep. Martyrs is much longer, and there's a part in uh, Martyrs where you think the film is over, and it's basically just half over because the. <laughs> And it, like, totally, like, that was the most defeating moment I've ever had in a film. Yeah, I
0: would definitely put that up higher.
2: And, but, like, this one, like, I'm not going to ever suggest anyone watch this. (laughs) I'm never going to seek it out again. I've watched it twice, and that's two times too many. Um, So, like, in that essence, like, yeah, I think this is a good horror film. It does what it's supposed to do, and it does it. To the extreme, Um, I don't. I twelve. I think is actually selling this film a little short. I would probably have it in my top five. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I guess. I guess it would be semantics in terms of how you define horror. You know, I got to be honest. This is not the type of horror movie I seek out, um, simply because. uh, Well. My, my favorite movie that I've seen in a long time, which is classified, I guess, is, as a horror, is more horror comedy, is, is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And to me, I like, I like being scared, but I like having that um, fun experience with the movie. And, and you're right, Inside is, is horrific. And if you're looking at the true definition of a horror movie as something to make you uneasy or uncomfortable and it's supposed to give you those body convulsions or reactions to it, this thing succeeds all across the board. And in terms of top 20 horror films or something along that definition, I'm kind of with you, Brad. It might might break the top 10. Um, and I got to say that even as Martyrs, I think, is a better film than this, But um, and it must be the belly button thing because I just had more <laughs> – icky moments with this film that I did with martyrs, but I have a aversion to anybody coming close to my belly button. So, um, that's a personal thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've made, I've made a bit note of that. So, uh, <laughs> don't come near my belly button.
0: <laughs> See, I like, but, to put, like midnight meat train above this too. Like, and that okay. would be within the past. Yeah,
1: yeah that right, would be, so
0: I would, that would, there's things like that that are out there that, that show things that I haven't seen before too. Also, that I would put above
2: that. See, I'm notorious for not liking the horror comedy genre. Oh, really? Uh,
1: That's because Because, that's fun goes to die with you.
2: (laughs) I mean, if I want to see something that's funny, I'll watch a comedy. If I want to see something that is horrific, I'll watch a horror movie. Like, I don't know. For me, the two don't blend that well together. Tucker Uh, and
0: Dale though, that's, that's perfection.
1: (laughs) I agree with you. Tucker Dale is perfection. (laughs) Well, um, there, there are rumors, and I don't know how um, true these rumors are, but uh, the director of Wreck, uh, Juan Balaguero may be directing a remake of Inside, and he's been quoted as saying that he wanted to accent the terror of the pregnancy situation more than the gore. If you think a director comes in and does that, maybe tones down the gore elements and maybe plays up the psychological elements, it would be a more effective film? Nah. <laughs> yes, I think this film's effective.
2: I mean,
0: yeah, I I, th- I found it effective. I think it's I think
1: brutal. It's- <laughs> but that that would go back to my original question about the violence in the film and stuff. Do you think the the violence is essential to the storytelling, or if you take the violence back out of it, not totally out of it, but maybe downplay it? I mean, look at a lot of psychological yeah. thrillers that don't maintain this much violence, and we'll be getting to one here very shortly. But if you if you do what this director, you know, is talking about doing, do you think Inside then becomes more effective or less effective as a horror film?
0: I
2: mean, it's different. I mean, it would probably it just, mess with like your...
0: Story, I think, or be more of a mental story and less of a gore story, I think.
1: And what were you saying, Brad?
0: Yeah, I was just saying it, it would... I mean, if I could...
2: I mean, again, not having the experience of being pregnant, but if I sure. still learned had some background and knew the mental struggles that went along with it. I mean, it's a different movie, but it's probably still going to be effective. Um, Would I like to see that movie as compared to this one? Probably because I kind of like the mental aspect of things more than the actual seeing of the gore. Like I can imagine things being gory. Right. uh, not to this extent, but...
0: i that kind of an imagination.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you yeah. can imagine this, then we can't
0: be friends <laughs> oh, yeah. anymore. Yeah, so exactly. Anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, this film, I uh, and these apparently are statistics from uh, Box Office Mojo, and I think Wikipedia, which, not the trusted source on the internet, but um, the budget for this film was approximately $3 million, and the box office return was 786000 so technically yeah. it... It did not have a positive return, not necessarily. And I guess, would you classify that as a failure financially?
2: Well, I mean, if you lose money, <laughs> that's a failure. There
1: you go. And, yeah. uh, and, I, and obviously it has somewhat of a cult status or notoriety from uh, a lot of the inner critics. So I'm sure, you know, it's, it's making its rounds. But the directors do have another project coming out, and it's actually coming out in the next month, uh, Livid. Release date is November 2nd. It's a supernatural horror film. If you go and look at the premise of that, it has to do – it almost sounds like another home invasion film where a uh, lady is sent to a home to care for an elderly person, finds out that this elderly person has some type of treasure or money hidden in the house. So she calls friends over, and as they start to uh, pillage this home, then there's all of these horrific or supernatural things happen to this group, so – um, if you like Inside, look for that one uh, to debut the second of November of this year. Where it debuts, I, I don't have that information yet. I assume over in uh, Frenchy Land, but
0: <laughs> also known as France, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: Okay, Brad. Final thoughts on Inside.
0: Um,
2: like I said, I I would never recommend anyone see this. I do think the film has a very powerful ending. Um, Kind of takes this twist at the end. Um, you can kind of see it coming. It's not like out of the blue or anything like that because um, the woman knows so much about this girl. Um, but I, you know, I think uh, having this woman sit there with her burned up face and holding someone else's baby that she just cut out of a, another woman um, in a rocking chair is pretty, uh, pretty messed up. And you don't forget things like that. So if this movie is going to leave a lasting impression on you, um, it's not going to be good. But um, if you're in the no, I can't, I can't even put like a, a clause behind a recommendation or anything like that. Like I, I don't recommend anyone watch it, uh, <laughs> just because. I mean, you you have to be so secretive about it, so um, you well, know. Spoiled like,
1: the ending, apparently.
2: <laughs> well, you know, whatever.
0: I have a question. Does- was the baby alive at the end? I didn't hear it crying or anything. Yeah, it was.
1: There's slight audio cues that the baby's alive.
0: Okay. Yeah. And what, what did you say
1: that. it looked like?
0: And I thought the final scene looked a little bit more like um, Whistler's uh, mother painting because she's got that long black dress and she's just sitting there in the rocking chair, and it felt like Whistler's mother. That's that's what I thought of when I saw that ending there. Although I really felt bad for this baby. Oh hell, <laughs> with the mother the that <laughs> <You know. laughs> burnt up face and all. Kind of with funny. the,
2: uh, with the spoiler part, like it doesn't matter if you know exactly what's going to happen. The this is like watching porn. Like the the, <laughs> the the plot doesn't matter. You're yeah. just waiting for stuff to happen.
0: That's hilarious.
2: Um, well, you're. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny.
1: Um, Tabitha, your final thoughts on Inside?
0: Um, I probably would have never watched it had not. Troy not made me watch it, <laughs> nor will I recommend it to anyone because most of our friends would rather see <laughs> Snow Buddies or something. Snow Buddies, that's true. So it's like, we can't recommend it to anybody, but yeah, for those that are more into film, you might check it out, you disagree or disagree with us, but it's not one I'll watch again, and I was glad I watched it just because it was something I hadn't seen before, but.
1: Uh, I, I would say if you are looking for, and I think Brad makes a good point, the the horror movie that is horrific, that really wants to sort of test your limits, and um, I, I don't know, just make you very nervous, unsettling, you know, gross you out. Um, th- this is the movie to look at. I think this and Martyrs share really a unique vision of of horror films in general. I think Martyrs is a better film, but if, if you, if you liked martyrs, check out inside, if you liked inside, check out martyrs. Um, I'm real curious. I, I have not seen frontier. Uh, is it, is it any good brand?
2: Um, yeah, it's probably the lesser of the three. Um, even I would put that behind high tension as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I enjoyed high tension. I really liked them. Them wasn't very gory. more, um, more of a thriller, but, uh, I'm kind of with you two. I would not run out and say, oh, hey, you need to catch Inside. It's a fantastic <laughs> film. But it is one of those films that I think if you got to know somebody's taste and if somebody had come up to you, well, like you said, Brad, where, hey, I just watched Martyrs and I'm looking for something along that same vein, um, I would hand this movie over to him with a warning, of course. I wouldn't do what Charlie did. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of upset you didn't warn me about this one.
2: But Well, I had thought that you had seen it because when we talked about Martyrs, you was like, oh, I'm not going to watch that again. Yeah, and Martyrs the, was a rough watch. Martyrs and,
0: was awesome though. That
1: was good. <laughs> uh, I, w- I was kind of curious about Inside because you, when you talk about Martyrs, you always hear Inside, and Inside was one of the films I had not seen. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, if if I would recommend it, with a clause that you'd have to have somebody approach you and say, Hey, I've seen you know these other French films, and I really like this type of horror film. What do you got? Well, you know, there's Inside. So
0: and they've seen those other French films. They probably heard of inside. So
1: probably. You know,
0: yeah. yeah. And, it,
2: and I knew there was a rumor for the longest time that uh, the guy who directed martyrs was actually going to direct the remake of hellraiser. And I was like, that's actually perfect. And of course that's not happening, but you
1: know, <laughs> I, I yeah, think that, that would have been great. That would have been fantastic. And instead we get some direct to DVD hellraiser movie coming out this month. Oh, have you
2: seen the trailer for that?
1: Yeah, the fatty pinhead guy.
2: Oh, my God, it's so amazing.
1: That guy needs to go to Jenny Craig. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we're going to wrap up our discussion of Inside, and when we come back, uh, Brad, we got another Takashi Miki film. I I can't wait. (laughs) So uh, when we return, we're going to talk about Takashi Miki's Audition are you serious
2: podcast bestoftheleft.com linoleum
1: knife 35 millimeter
2: hero chin stroke versus pencil family movie night bloody good horror girls
0: on film radio
2: night of the living podcast a male or order zombie outside the cinema <laughs>
1: popcorn mafia
0: perhaps you'd be interested in GleeCast. first time caller podcast
1: showshow.podomatic.com
2: the david pakman show gentle listeners. I'm Fozzie Bear. There are a lot of podcasts out there and it's impossible to listen to them all. That's where the podcast podcast comes in. On the podcast podcast, we have very
1: special guests from some of the best shows on iTunes covering everything from movies to television to literature to pop culture and politics. On the podcast podcast, you can listen to these guests and decide if you should check out their show or keep on moving. Find us in the iTunes store by searching for me, Fozzie Bear. That's F-O-Z-Z-I-E-B-A-R-E. Welcome back. I hope you're all with us after talking about the uh, very icky French film Inside. Next, we're going to tackle um, a second film from Takashi Miki. Now, he showed up on the show with uh, a favorite and I of Brad's 13 Assassins. And um, in that show, we pitted 13 Assassins versus the Wild Bunch. Of course, Brad chose wrong. He chose 13 <laughs> Assassins over the Wild Bunch, but that's Okay. Um, audition debuted in 1999 at the Vancouver Film Festival, but it didn't debut in Japan until 2000. Um, it is directed by Takashi Miki. It stars uh, Ryo Ishibashi, Ihi Shihina, Miyuki Matsuda. And a quick synopsis for this one is a lonely Japanese widower. Uh, Shigahuru Eoma uh, expresses his sadness to his friend and fellow film producer. The film producer decides to help his friend out and hold an audition for a non-existent film so that the widower can select a new potential bride from the resulting audition pool. The widower ultim- ultimately becomes enamored with one particular young woman, Asami, played by Ihi Shiina. The widower cannot believe his good fortune until he starts learning about his potential bride-to-be. Her autobiographical details don't quite check out. She has a number of ugly scars on her legs, and he learns that people in her life have a habit of disappearing. This psychological thriller debuted at the Vancouver Film Festival in 1999 and has since garnered significant critical praise as well as a cult following. Now, Brad, last time when we had Takashi Miki on the show, not personally, but one of I was his like, films, what? yeah,
0: how <laughs> did I miss that? It was awesome.
1: Um, I didn't understand a word he said, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm fine. Okay, uh, we we went through his filmography. Audition did pop up. Um, But instead of going through his filmography as a director, before we dive into audition, let's talk about um, our relationship to Japanese horror cinema and maybe talk about what we've seen. So this I'm going to start with you, Tabs. Um, Now, Asian film plays a very significant role in our household. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. So um, you have been exposed to a ton of Japanese uh, horror films. Um, what, What do you think of them in general?
0: I love them. I think Japanese horror films are better than most other horror films, like better than most of the Americans. And the Americans keep remaking all these Japanese horror films, but I think the Japanese just do it better every time. So,
1: Is there any particular, uh, you mentioned Battle Royale.
0: Battle Royale is my top favorite right there as far as Japanese horror films.
1: Any others? That-
0: and I love The Grudge. I love The Ring. And that's all I can really think of off the top of my head. And the whole American versions of The Grudge and The Ring just weren't as good, in my opinion. Okay, Brad?
2: Um, I don't have the uh, the love for Battle Royale as you all do. I have seen it. I do whoa, whoa, enjoy it. What, what? I, just, I do. I, I
0: can't talk to you. I got. I'm out. <laughs> I, just,
2: I do. I do like it, but I, every time I talk to Troy, it's something about Battle Royale. I mean, I love that film. It's great. And obviously, um, but uh, yeah, I. I I would disagree. Um, I think the Ring uh, remake was a solid film. The Ring 2 is terrible, Um, the remakes. Uh, But Ringu and the Grudge uh, series I do like. Um, And uh, Ishii the Killer, which we talked about last time. So I do like that one as well. Um, I'm kind of with Tabitha. I mean I I
1: love American horror films, but there's something about Japanese films in particular, especially in the horror genre – that you know, you mentioned something that *Silence of the Lambs* and, in particularly, singling out psychological horror films. I think Japan does that very well. And you look at something like *Dark Water*. Um, the original Japanese version. It was remade into a Jennifer Connelly vehicle, but the original Japanese one is extremely creepy, and it has very much a, a sense of dread throughout the whole film. And there's always this question of whether or not are these things really happening or is this woman going slightly nuts. Um, The Grudge series, I love the Japanese installments. I'll say that the American version is pretty good. Uh, The same with uh, Ringu versus um, The Ring. I think they're both strong films, but I think the Ringu series is better than the American Ring series. And You're right, Ring 2, the American version, wasn't that great. But uh, I'm a big fan of the Tome series, uh, Pulse the One Missed Call series is good. Um, Uzumaki, Brad, you got to check out Uzumaki. Uzumaki is basically, I believe, Japanese for spiral, and um, that is a fantastic creepy film uh, about a town that just goes obsessed with spirals. Uh, and that's all I'll say about it. Suicide Club's another good one. Um, the director of Suicide Club just had a film hit on DVD, and I believe it's called Cold Fish. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of Japanese horror films, and um, I'm a big fan of Takashi Miki as a director too, and I think we we really um, highlighted that the last time we talked about Thirteen Assassins. So let's start. Let's start with audition. Brad, initial thoughts.
2: Um, initially I didn't know that this film was that old. Um, I've had it in my Netflix queue for probably two or three years. It's one of those movies you add and it sits on there forever, and then finally I get to watch it, and I'm like. Eh, the quality isn't as – I was like, for being a few years old, this isn't looking that great. And then I looked and it's 99 and I'm like, oh, okay.
1: Had, had you not um, seen it
2: before this time? I had not. This I had is your first ever. viewing. Yes, it was. Oh, excellent. Um, um, wow. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to say some things and we're not going to be friends anymore. <laughs> but I found this movie to be – Painfully slow at times oh. uh, to the point where I was uh, – I mean I felt bad for the guy, uh, the widower. Like I really did. I i felt like it could have – the moment where he loses his wife is so quick. Um, I felt like they could have had a little bit more backstory and maybe I would have had more sympathy for him. Um, but I don't know. I just – it just took forever for this film to actually go anywhere um, to where I – I don't know. I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and um, when it gets to the end, I felt so bewildered at what had happened at the end that I, I I, really don't know if I understand this film as a whole. Like I feel like I just got like 50 percent of it, and I'm missing the other half.
1: Okay. Taps.
0: I couldn't agree more. Like it's like, that's dead on to how I feel about it. Like it was so slow that I did start dozing off. Granted, I've been running kids all day long. They wore me out, but I, it was so slow at the beginning. And then once it does pick up, I was so confused and I've had a headache for like two days anyway. And so this movie just gave me even more of a headache and I was just so confused and I did not care for this movie.
1: Um, I've seen this now a couple of times, actually three in particular, And the first time I saw it, uh, the only thing I remembered about it was the end. And I think this movie gets a lot of notoriety for the last 15 or 20 minutes in terms of um, the little dicky-dicky-dicky, you know, the (laughs) sawing off of the the leg, uh, or excuse me, foot. When I went back and saw it a second time, the second time I went to watch it, it was to maybe get some clarity because I had some real problems and questions about the narrative style and um, why is why are we as a viewer given certain information at some time, and not others? And, and who's doing what? And what's a dream and what's not a dream? And then um, watching it for this show a third time, I got the film up to a level where I started to appreciate it a little more. But I got to say, the first two viewings were were a little rough to to kind of get there. And I think this is one of those films that you got to understand a little bit about the society it comes from and even the culture, the objectif- objectification of women, um, how the audition plays out in the film in and of itself. And when you you sort of get this role reversal, it there's a lot of stuff going on here, and I don't even totally understand it. But I find that the more I read about it and the more I watch it, the more I hear about Takashi Miki even talk about it from the commentary – I pick up a little bit more about the film, and it and it becomes interesting to me, if that and, makes any sense.
2: Yeah, and I'm all about watching rewatchability of films and to, to learn uh, more and more um, after each watch. Um, but I also, uh, you know, don't like to have to do homework on everything that I have to watch and try to. I don't know. I just think that it goes out of its way to be difficult. Um, I think it leaves a lot of things to so far out there that you can only think that like oh it's it's just trying to be difficult for difficult sake like I, I don't think that it's there's any merit to the way it's the story is told.
1: What do you mean by no merit? The way the well, story is told.
2: I think that the it could be more linear and the film make much more sense and still be mysterious at the same time. Um, I just think.
1: See, I, th- um, I think that's where one of the strengths is, is in sort of deciphering. Because you get you get to a scene where they both go to a hotel, and that's the weekend that he is supposedly going to propose to her. Um, he makes that promise to her, to her about, okay, I, I promise to love you, nobody else, because that's one of her conditions. They, they do the wild thing. And then uh, the next morning he wakes up and she's gone. And he spends the next portion of the movie trying to find her, and in trying to find her, finds out all of these things about her. And then you get to sort of the big torture scene at the end, and as soon as he passes out from the drug, you go back to seeing other conversations that occurred throughout the film, like the dinner date, but you're hearing – other versions of that conversations or things that were cut out initially that we're just now as an audience member getting into. And then you see what's in the bag because he's in the apartment. She opens the bag. And um, you want to share that piece of information that we found out about audition, <laughs> Brad?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, there's a scene where the the girl vomits in – well, the guy in the bag doesn't have a tongue. so
1: Nor like – He's missing Nor- some fingers,
2: fingers. Yeah. and so, his feet. <laughs> yeah. So this guy's pretty not going anywhere and to eat, um, he can't probably eat anything solid because he has no tongue. So she vomits in a bowl and feeds it to the guy and doesn't sound, yeah, it's gross. Uh, but when you realize that it's, she actually did throw up in the bowl for real life because she's a method actor. Um, takes to a whole nother level.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he's there to see that. And then you go back to the situation where he is uh, on the living room floor over a burlap sack with needles in his stomach and and eyes. And he's getting his foot cut off. And then he flashes back or either wakes up to being in the the hotel again. And you think, well, was he dreaming the whole time? And then as he closes his eyes, he goes back into the living room into that scenario. You have the big confrontation with the son. She's lying on the foot of the steps with her neck broke, um, turned toward him and relaying all of these um things that he had told her or things that they had conversed about. And I think that nonlinear I don't know, storytelling of that part if you knew exactly what was going on, this movie in and of itself would only be known for that. Oh, did you see the film where at the end the chick like sawed oh. off his leg? The fact you've got that fifteen twenty minutes that all of a sudden it starts to play with the narrative, I think that does elevate the film a little bit in terms of you as the viewer then have to make the choice: is this guy dreaming? Was he in the hotel the whole time? And is what he dreaming is what he is dreaming about more of a uh, I don't know, taking her and fantasizing about what he's afraid of when it comes to her, maybe marriage, the whole nine yards, you know, replacing his wife or is all that stuff really happening? And this is just a crazy bitch.
2: And look, I like nonlinear. I like Quentin Tarantino. So obviously I like nonlinear, but can, I we, just can think we get
1: through an episode without you <laughs> telling everybody you like Quentin Tarantino? <laughs>
2: okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, I, I, I like Jackie Chan. A, oh, there I said it. <laughs> so, but I just think this one goes out of its way. Like, I don't know. I just felt like it just, it did it to do it. Like, I think it doesn't benefit. I, this, this is my personal, I just think it goes out of its way to be difficult. And like, that's not, that's not someone I want to date. I don't want to date someone who's difficult. <laughs> this difficult. Like, you know?
1: Well, you don't want to marry one either. Take my advice on that.
2: <laughs> Ow, God dang it. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, i well,
0: agree i agree i think it they did it just to do it and i found it just more annoying than anything and and just gave me a headache but like i said it wasn't worth it to me and i'm not a fan of the movie
1: not a fan of the movie
0: not a fan of the movie
1: don't don't find any characters relatable no empathy for anybody no nope. nothing? nothing okay well uh brad final thoughts on uh, audition
0: Well,
2: I did, I did really like the, the widower character. I, I I did feel really bad for him. Um, you know, anyone has, has ever, you know, not maybe lost a a husband or a wife, but maybe a hard breakup or something, you know, you know, trying to go back in and, and find someone else to, to not fill the role, but to, to be with is, is a difficult thing. And, um, you know, most people wouldn't go to the lengths of setting up a fake movie to meet women, but uh you know, but don't you few, think this is desperate. something we should try? I, <laughs> as as a uh, as a newly single person, I think I'm going to,
0: <laughs> going to try
2: this. Um I can help you if you need help. I'm just Yeah. <laughs> you're you're gonna be the director, I'll be the right. producer. We'll get it all set up. But no I, I really felt for him. I wanted to like really Go along with him um, because I, I I did enjoy his character, but I don't I don't know. I just it, at the very end, it's like it just all fell apart for me and and I felt like I was like taking the SAT all over again. You know, it's just, <laughs> like, I, my head started to like I I don't know I don't know what's going on, <laughs> and I like to think that I'm halfway intelligent. Like I, I can kind of. You know, I know how to watch movies. I, I, I know the the tropes and you know all the stuff that goes on. And this one just was over my head, I guess. Times.
0: That's how exactly how I felt that it was just over my head and that I was going to sound retarded on this <laughs> podcast because I don't know what the hell's going on. But in my in the end, I the way I'm wrapping my head around it is that. He was dreaming the whole time. <laughs> and he's actually in this hotel with this girl and he's proposed and they're going to get married. And, and he's just, it's just his whole fear of commitment and finding somebody new. And it, and the, he didn't even want anybody new until his son brought it up, didn't he? I mean, he wasn't even thinking about hunting for anybody new until his son was like, hey, you should get back out. There. And he was like, okay, we'll have an audition and find me a girl. I was like, I don't know. It was just. I don't care for it, <laughs> but that's how I'm wrapping my head around it is that it was all a big dream. And so you're going to your happy really place. Huh? I'm going to my happy place, and he's just scared about commitment
2: now. Actually, the, at the very end, the camera pulls away, and it's in a snow globe. It was in a snow globe the whole time. This is not cemetery, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: well, this film showed up on Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments, uh, Moments actually at number 11, specifically See, the end scene. I didn't
2: find this film – I didn't find it scary
0: at all. Me
1: either. Um, bloody Disgusting, we talked about that top 20 horror films of the decade where Inside uh, had showed up, would we say 12th? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: this one showed up on 14. fourteen. Yeah.
2: It's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Their, their whole list now is ridiculous.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, as far as my take on this, I don't dislike it as much as you two. Um, it's not – a great horror film. When I look at some of the accolades, and you know, I'm looking at the the cover, and you look at um, Elvis Mitchell, New York Times, a great, sick rush with a kicker on the level of The Vanishing. Um, Los Angeles Times goes even further than the films of Italy's excruciatingly macabre Dario Argento. I. I <laughs> yeah, audition to me is not on the level of Dario Argento. I do see where they can come about with that analogy because a lot of Argento's films, what people have a problem with is sometimes it's style over substance that plot points kind of go out, right. you know, the window. Um, but those are the things that I like about Argento films that I feel like he's actually painting sometimes with right. the camera. Um, and with Miki, I don't really see him trying to take that approach with the camera when it comes to audition, but I can do see where he is trying to maybe confuse us and, and almost put him put us in the protagonist mental state in terms of, you know, this guy's on the floor. If this stuff is really happening, he doesn't know what's real. He, he's starting to remember things that maybe he forgot before and um, his reality becomes extremely contorted. And I get that, but I think as a narrative structure, it's extremely flawed. I know it's flawed for a reason because it it's supposed to add depth to the film, but I don't know if that flaw actually enhances the viewing experience or for like you two, it just confuses you. Right. Um, and I can see that as a major, I don't know, detriment to the quality of the film. Overall, I, you know, this is probably sacrilege to horror fans. I do like Audition, but it's not in the 100 scariest movie moments. No. Um, it's not um, – it shouldn't be the top 20 horror films of the decade. I think it's a good horror film, and I think if you like Miki as a director, you should seek this out. But um, personally, I'd go watch Battle Royale. I'm just saying. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Ditto>. <laughs> um
1: All right. Well, Brad, what time is it?
2: It is time for uh, the uh, matchup part of the show where we have to pick a winner. All and right. basically, since we all we watched all these movies, uh, we're all losers because <laughs> terrible movies to watch.
1: Okay, it is time for the matchup section, and we've got the French film Inside from 2007 versus Audition from Japan 1999 slash 2000. Now, and but we, we can't th- have a, we can't have a tie this week. We are not having a tie this week. So we didn't we didn't have a tie last week, did we? No, we didn't. We both picked exactly. the same film. Um, so before we get into actually which is the best film, who's the crazier bitch? Is, is it the uh, uh, Gap Tooth in- Lady and Inside? Oh, it's Gap Tooth Lady. Inside lady. Gap-Tooth lady wins all yeah. the way? She's yes.
0: Fucking out of control. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> all right. So Gaptooth Lady wins the award for Craziest Bitch um, in Cinema. Now, in terms of these two films, we're going to have to pick a winner. So I'm going to start with our, our lovely guest, the uh, ladies, eloquent
2: ladies first
1: lady go ahead I'm trying to
0: get off the couch uh, <laughs>
1: uh i would yes, definitely hun, pick dear what
0: inside over audition any day of the week
1: any any particular reason why uh it
0: didn't give me a headache for one okay <laughs> or didn't add to my headache for okay. one but yeah it, there was a lot more gore to it it was definitely a, just a better film all around it didn't bore me at the beginning because it was so slow and our, our audition was so slow and and it didn't confuse me the way the second half of Audition did. So I don't like Audition. I like Inside better.
2: All right, Brad, over to you. Uh, yeah, it's pretty easy for me. I, I'm i not going to say that I like Inside, but compared to Audition, <laughs> it is a better movie. Um, <laughs> if you're going to go horror route, uh, you, you're not going to have anything that's going to be as uh, intense as this film is. Um, again, I'm not going to recommend <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, this this one this one is way. Uh, if this is twelve and audition is fourteen, um, I don't I don't know. Bloody disgusting is is thrown out. They're out. Yeah. But I, I no go, go ahead, Troy. No, okay. I just say inside inside is uh, is pretty easily the winner for me.
1: Um, I am not picking a French film.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs>
1: All there is to it. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with any of your comments, but I refuse
2: to be inside.
0: Would you uh, like to hear why he doesn't like the French?
2: <laughs> no. Did you get robbed when you were in Europe or something? No. Like
0: that? He he got his first D for a grade
2: oh. French class,
0: well, and that hey, ever since then he wants to just bomb the whole country. I have only country.
1: had one. I've had or nothing but only A's. D.
0: His only D. Okay. I've
1: only had A's in my life.
0: Oh, except let's talk about elementary first of all.
1: Oh yeah, Well, let's not okay. get. It. Let's, <laughs> called movie matchup. This isn't Troy's As far class, is high school. Will you stop?
0: He got good grades, but I got excellent class, he got grades. a D. I got an excellent it's So, I so get... ever since then, the French are out. And
1: yeah, French a, are out. Your the language sucks.
0: I don't want to talk to you no more, you empty-headed animal food trough whopper. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberries.
1: I'm picking audition. <laughs> <laughs> That's all there is to it, because it's oh. closer to Battle Royale than that's it horrible is to inside. Argument. <laughs> it's my argument, and I'm sticking that's with ridiculous. it. So But anyways, because of you two, the French win in this matchup right. is probably the only thing they've ever yeah, won. Yeah, I was going to say, the French <laughs> never win in the entire history. Um, we should have confetti. <laughs> we we should, and you can go bake some crepes. Is that oh, what they're I love called? crepes. Crapes. God, I hate crepes. See, their food sucks, too. I, have, I what Name a French food that's good.
0: Crepes. Oh,
1: Awful. No, French wine is pretty good. French wine is good. Uh, I'll give you the wine, but, um, I, I, okay. So inside wins. <laughs> I'm not happy about this. We may have to cut this section out. That's all I'm saying.
0: It's because to are editing. Uh,
1: well, I, I want to thank Tabitha for jumping on. I know she was a little nervous, um, having to talk about, uh, these two films, especially after audition. Cause all I heard about was, I don't know what I'm going to say. That movie gave me a headache. <laughs> um, but, but. Really, thank you for coming on and, and no talking movies with us. Uh, yeah, and,
2: and Tabitha, if I come up this weekend, I like my eggs.
0: Uh, ah!
2: So on my Sunday God, you can – I might
0: kick you some eggs, but I'm not kicking anything.
2: <laughs>
0: I am not the obedient type. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> I would bring a subservient
0: a type. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would bring some pads. Um, you, might,
0: you might win me over if you bring some wine.
1: Okay. Yes. Uh, you want no, to? I heard
0: you were s- send us some jerky or something. No, that was Randy. Oh, that's Randy. Never, yes, mind. Never Rand- mind. You're still on my shit. Listen. No, oh okay. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> I'm joking.
1: She's fickle. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: <laughs> next week. You want to talk about next week? I do want to talk about next week because it's going to be pretty cool. Um, this is now. This was pretty cool today because we had Tabitha on.
2: Oh, of course, of but, course. Our first female guest.
1: Yes, yes. Um, we you have been. You guys
0: don't get out much. We don't. <laughs>
1: I told you, she's going to be busting our chop. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we have been working behind the scenes for a couple of weeks, you know, over a month on getting next week's guest because he's super popular. He is actually on quite a different number of podcasts and um, he is extremely knowledgeable in film. So you can understand why he's pretty wanted. But you want to talk about next week, Brad? Um,
2: yes, we have the, uh, the one and only uh, Mr. Reverend Scott coming on with us. And uh, I can't wait.
1: You want to talk about the films we're going to be, Kevin?
2: Um, yes. Um, we are actually going to watch um, the German expression film from 1922. Is that yes. right? 22.
1: 1922, released in Germany, 1929 in the U.S.
2: Okay. Uh, Nosferatu, which is probably the birthplace of horror, maybe? Kind of? Yeah.
1: Could uh, be. Could be. I mean uh, – There's Golem and and some other – I mean, Germany has a pretty deep well of uh, horror films right off the bat um, when cinema was just kind of getting off the ground. But you're right. I mean, we'll we'll be covering Nosferatu. And when we talk with Reverend Scott about this, just in uh, doing some research on that film, um, I am totally amazed at its history and also sort of its – well, just how it came to be. What its reception was, and then the amazing fact that it even exists today. So we'll get yeah. to that on the next show. But what are we going to match that up with?
2: And there's a 2000 film that is kind of it kind of looks at the filming of Nosferatu, and it is called Shadow of a Vampire. So we'll be looking at that, and that stars um, John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe. Which um, I've seen that movie before, and I'm not going to say anything, but that if that needs to be seen, I'll just say that. <laughs> Now, have you, have you
1: seen Nosferatu before?
2: I I have. I have. Okay, good. I will watch both of them again before our show just because uh, they're both, you know, Nosferatu. I mean, come on. Come on. Sure.
1: Well, no, I, next week should be extremely interesting because it's not like this week where we're taking two similar types of films. Um, we're kind of looking at a uh, an original horror film and then comparing that to a film about that film. So I think that matchup is going to be extremely interesting, not just from about – talking uh, about the particular movies per se, but then trying to decide which one's a better film. So uh, I can't wait for that discussion. I cannot wait for Reverend Scott to be on. If anybody's listened to some prior episodes of Movie Matchup, he has sent in some epic emails. And uh, I'll say this about those uh, emails and feedback. The guy knows movies. So He does. He does. Yeah. If, if you listen to him, he's got a fantastic segment on Outside the Cinema with uh, Bill and Chris. Um, it's Holy Shit with Reverend Scott. It's very funny, and, um, again, you you listen to those segments, and you think he's an extremely funny guy. He is, but you wouldn't have ever guessed that this guy is just a wellspring of film knowledge. So I'm, I'm really excited about bringing him on, and we've had to rearrange schedules a couple times to sort of accommodate it for him. But, uh, man, it's worth it. It really is.
2: Oh, totally. Totally.
1: Well, um, I, I guess that's a wrap. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. I want to thank Tabitha once again for staying up a little bit later and,
0: uh, (laughs) past nine
1: o'clock and, uh, recording with us tonight. Um, Brad, you want to give them some info about us and where to contact us?
2: Oh yes. Um, we are on this wonderful website called reboundradio.com. It is, uh, it is a hub for all the best podcasts in the world. Um, so you need to go there and listen to all the shows. Um, and uh, Troy is our feature film reviewer, one of them, the, the primary one. Um, so look for his reviews. Um, the site did get a, a redesign. Looks um, good, by the way. Uh, people have actually commented quite positively, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, we, uh, we also will accept feedback um, for this show, and... Um, it is moviematchup at gmail.com, is that correct?
1: That's correct, and we did okay. have a request already um, for us to do a matchup, and you're going to love this. It's been one of the ideas that we've been kicking around, and I think I think we need to make this happen, but uh, we did have somebody send in a request and ask us to do Reservoir Dogs versus City on Fire, so I think oh, we need wow. to make that happen.
2: And yeah, the November, when we have a clear schedule, we, we will take care of that.
1: Yeah, and I, I would like to point out if anybody has any other matchup ideas, please send them to that movie matchup at gmail.com. Um, Brad and I sort of have a, a nice little roadmap that we're trying to follow. And, uh, you know, Brad's trying to educate me on some things I haven't seen, and I'm trying to show him as many Asian films as possible. Um, but uh, we would strongly encourage everybody to send some matchup ideas because if they're good, we're going to use them. And I really like that Reservoir Dog City on Fire idea. So,
2: hey, did you know I like. Quinn Tarantino? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you,
1: um, what have you been doing what all this week <laughs> uh, since Jackie oh. Brown and Pulp Fiction came out on Blu-ray?
2: Um, well, I got um, both of them, and uh, I've watched Jackie Brown once, and I think I'm on three times with Pulp Fiction. So you got a problem, yes. dude. I know, I do.
0: I just let you know, Inglorious Bastards is one of my all-time favorite movies of all time. Oh, it's just perfection.
2: Oh God, you're a smart woman. <laughs>
0: Thank you
1: very much. <laughs> um, where can they follow you on Twitter, sir?
2: Well, speaking of inglorious b- bastards, uh, my Twitter <laughs> handle is ingloriousbrad, um, so you can find me there. Um, that's also my name on the website as well, and on uh, Xbox Live if you want to play uh, Gears of War three. Oh yeah, so much. I
0: play fun. Nazi zombies with you. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I don't know about gears.
2: Um, you can follow
1: me at Twitter. At Yen Chan Troy. And if you want to follow me on PlayStation 3 or Xbox, just send me a friend request at uh, Yen Chan. Um, well, I guess that's it for tonight. Again, I want to thank our very special guest, Tabitha. And Brad, it has been an absolute pleasure talking about uh, some crazy bitch cinema with you this evening. Yes.
2: Shower time.
1: <laughs> i agree i agree so uh for everybody else thanks for joining us and we hope to see you see you that's so retarded we're on a podcast uh yeah. we hope to hear from you from some feedback we hope email.
2: we hope that they hear from us
1: yeah 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 okay why don't you end this games. thing because i'm just losing it here
2: uh yeah keep downloading our shows
0: there that's <laughs> <laughs> <Enough> said.
1: <laughs> do so, it that was priceless <laughs> Alright, I'm out. See you later, folks. See ya.